something to be a part of what we have happening with our Vine kids. I see Mr. Kale walking towards that door. I'd love for you to be a part of what they have going on this morning. Uh, so we're going to take a little bit of a, of a focus this month of February that I want to let you know about before I kind of dive into John and what we're going to do there this morning. Um, as you know, the Bible has a very clear mandate for us as the church to love the marginalized, to love the vulnerable, to love orphans and widows, to care for those that are on the fringes of culture and of society. You cannot read scripture and not see that call directly for the Christ follower. And so as we've been spending time together as a core of a staff team, and as we've been dreaming and thinking about what God is calling us to, we've recognized that there are a lot of people in our community that have a heartbeat for the marginalized, especially marginalized children, whether it's adoption or foster care, working with at-risk kids. We want, as a church want to celebrate that, focus on it, tell those stories, make people aware, and learn how we can support families within our own context of our community uh, and our bigger, in a bigger city picture that are engaged in this kind of ministry and this kind of life. So for the month of February, we're going to invite one person from our community to come up every Sunday and tell their story about how God began to call them to either adopt or foster or work with vulnerable kids or how they felt the Lord moving in them to open their hearts and their homes to some of those on the fringes of culture and society and how that has changed their dynamic as a family. And we're going to focus on those that are working with or spending time with or have adopted or fostering at-risk and vulnerable children. And so this morning, I've invited Jenny Scott to come up and share her story. As you know, Brandon and Jenny have joined us from Guatemala. Um, they have brought their beautiful family here. And as those of you can have known and have spent time with her, they've talked quite a bit about their adopted son, Joseph. And so we've asked Jenny to kind of open this month by telling her story really about what God began to do in them to stir their heart towards adoption and kind of how things have played out or unfolded since then. So, Jenny, we'd love to hear what God has done, and then we're going to do this every single week. So, awesome. Thanks. Good morning. Um, like you said, I'm Jenny Scott. <clears throat> I'm married to Brandon, in case you know him. And um, we have four kids, three biological kids, and one giant um, four-year-old with a yellow afro who we adopted from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. And he has albinism, which is a genetic condition that the body doesn't produce melanin, which is required for color, which is why he's white instead of black. And, um, but more importantly, it affects the development of the eye. The eye doesn't develop properly without melanin. So he doesn't have vision like we have vision. Um, he has something called low visual acuity, which basically means he's visually impaired. So, um, in order to tell this story, I'm going to have to take over the hour this morning. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> okay. Not really. So that Treb has some time to preach. I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's really, really long. Um, but like Treb said, I do want to just sort of share a little bit about how God moved in our family to just bring us to this part, this stage of adopting a child. And I'm not entirely sure we're done with that stage, but um, it's a pretty cool story. And um, that part's not as long. So um, I'm going to take us back to the end of 2011. We had an almost six-year-old, an almost four-year-old, and an almost two-year-old. And we were really, really tired and um, really happy with the way the family was. We were missionaries in Guatemala at the time, and um, ministry was going well. I was starting to sleep at night. And so um, we were satisfied. And then I found out that I was pregnant. And this really, to be honest, was a big struggle because I was, like I said, mentioned, tired. 
and we all were. And um, we thought we were kind of done with that part of parenting where the non-sleeping part and the up-in-the-middle-of-the-night part. And so, um, uh, But about the time that we really started um, to kind of fall in love with the idea of having another kid and getting excited um, and the anticipation of meeting this new child, we had a miscarriage. And that was incredibly painful, as many of you know from firsthand experience. Um, but God is so good, and he redeems all things. And um, that was sort of the beginning of what then becomes the rest of this story. Um, we, at that point, started feeling like something was just sort of missing. Somebody, some person was sort of missing from our family. And I don't know that we would have put that many words to it at the time, um, but we, we both acknowledged later that that's how we felt. So... A few months later, we're in the spring of 2012, and I was on Facebook, passing some time, and and came across a website called Reese's Rainbow, and it is a photo listing of special needs children that are available for adoption. And these kids have special needs like cleft lip, cleft palate, Down syndrome, spina bifida, some of them don't have legs, Um, and they're all just in an orphanage, living, um, institutional care. Um, Some of them may not survive. Um, The chances of many of these children finding families was very, very low. So in reading this, I was just a wreck. I I couldn't pull my eyes away from it. I read so many of their stories, and I stormed downstairs, and I stomped into the kitchen where Brandon was, and I said, we have to do something. We have to do something. We cannot know that this is happening and just say, oh, that's so sad, and not do anything. So at that point, I was ready to move to the Ukraine and adopt a bunch of children and start a hospital, and I don't know what all. Um, but thankfully, Brandon is not quite so impulsive, and he said, let's pray. Let's see what God wants us to do about this. And he, of course, had um, shared my heart for it, although maybe not quite so spastically. And, he, um, and so we began to pray. When I say pray, I mean, like, really pray, like, Stayed up all night praying because the burden was so great. And um, the Lord brought some very sort of important questions into our life at that time. And one of the main questions was, what does God desire for these children? What is his heart for them? And, um, well, in part, that's easy to answer. Some of it's really hard to answer. But in part, it's easy. He desires for them to know him, for them to experience his care and his affection for them. He desires for them to be redeemed and saved and in his kingdom. And, um, well, that's easy to say that, <laughs> but what does that mean? So the next question for us is, what, what does God desire for us to do? What does God desire for us to What part should we play in this? And at that point, because of ministry in Guatemala, we couldn't move to the Ukraine and open up an orphanage. Um, we couldn't adopt them all. We didn't have um, great medical care in Guatemala. So we couldn't, you know, adopt the uh, medically fragile kids or bring them into, I don't know what all I wanted to do, but we couldn't do everything. And so um, then adoption came up as maybe adopting one of these children. Um, And then we had a whole other set of problems, right? Because we had reasons why this was not really the best thing. Um, A lot of selfish reasons like, man, I I was hoping to have some free time. You know, I have um, plans for ministry after this. Like I thought I was getting ready to do something else with my life besides white bottoms, you know, and so, um, and, you know, it's going to be kind of expensive for us to go on vacation if we have another kid, like, we're in Guatemala, it's expensive flights, Um, and then there were some reasons that weren't necessarily selfish, but were just absolutely a lack of trust, where's this money going to come from, how am I going to have the energy, how are we going to do this, what are people going to think, we already have three kids, and in the United States, I could talk a ginormous family, so, um, you know, 
And, and it came down to, do we really believe God is who he says he is? Do we really believe that he provides in the ways that he says he provides, the way that we claim he provides? Does he, does he sustain us? Is his grace really sufficient? Does he provide for all of our needs? And um, we could not look at that and say, well, no, he doesn't, because we do believe that he does. Now, it just a disclaimer, just in case this is making us sound holy or something, um, this has been a crucible process, this entire thing from the 2011 until now. Um, do you know if you have a cup of water, if something bumps it, you know, water, nice clean water spills out, but if you have a cup of something really gross and nasty and someone bumps you, that's what spills out. Well, Brandon and I have been getting bumped a lot, <laughs> and it's not always the nice pretty things that spills out. So um, God has been working in our hearts to make us more into the image of his son, and our hope is that maybe by the end of this, Brandon and I will be nice people. <laughs> so... Anyway, um, but really this testimony is this. Uh, well, a lot of people have said, um, oh, my gosh, Joseph is so lucky to, to not be in Africa anymore. He's so lucky to be with a family. Well, the testimony that I want you all to hear is that it is our family, all of us, who have this enormous blessing <clears throat> excuse me, of knowing intimately the heart of God for us, his adopted children. And how he continues to minister to us. And his adoption of us as his as believers is not the end of the story. But he continues to pour into us and I guess gives us therapy, so to speak. And heal our brokenness and, and continues to pour into us. And um, it's beautiful. It's really, really, really beautiful. Thanks, Thank Adoption is really at the heart of the gospel message itself because, as Jenny mentioned, essentially, it's exactly what God did for us to the person of Jesus Christ, that we have been uh, grafted into this kingdom family, adopted. And so what we're going to be trying to explore over this kind of four weeks here in February is just hearing stories of people that have said, God, I'm open to what you are doing, whatever that is. Like, I am open to it. And we're not trying to guilt anybody into going, oh, we should be in fostering or we should do respite care, we should adopt, but just instead say, God, what if I just listen to your voice and what you're echoing through the gospels to reach and care and love the marginalized, the forgotten, the whatever. Or as a church, what can we do to support those families that are, right? Instead of just applauding and saying, hey, great story, we can say, hey, what can we do to help support you and care for you as you fulfill your, fulfill your call um, by the Lord? So we're going to be asking ourselves a lot of those questions. Our, our end goal, truthfully, is that in March we're going to be launching uh, a support group that's going to meet up here and during the week once a month for families that are interested or are, are involved in working with vulnerable children. And so this is kind of leading to that and as a church how we can support them and kind of be involved in their sort of obedient quest, if you will. Um, and maybe along the way, each one of us will have to ask ourselves the same questions. God, <clears throat> what do you have of me? So that being said, we are 